0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. In the time of rain, I know that we're in the new covenant, Father, and that we have the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and that you've promised us rain, and that there is a season of rain. But Lord, we ask for an increase of rain. Father, that there would, that you would, make as it says in your word, flashing clouds, that you would give showers of rain and that there would be grass in the field for everyone. And so we ask that. And then Father, tonight, um, by your spirit, Lord, you, you, the Holy Spirit are the teacher. I yield myself to you, ask you for utterance and boldness to speak as I ought to speak. Lord, give us minds that are understanding. Lord, give us uh, Understanding the understanding of your spirit uh, to our minds so that we can have transformed thinking in accordance with your word, so that we can cooperate more at a higher level with you to be able to manifest your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, as you told us to pray. We thank you for that, we bless you in advance for it. We know that you're good, that you're faithful, and that as your word goes forth, Lord, faith comes. Uh, Healing comes, nutrition to our spirit comes, and transformation in our thinking and understanding. And then out of that, in our daily lives comes, by the empowerment of your spirit, there is grace to transform, but there is grace to obey. And so we thank you for that. We know that you are good, and you are always good. And your mercy, it does endure forever. So we thank you for that. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Amen. All right, let's, uh, if you would go to Genesis chapter one, we're going to begin there. Um, Just to forewarn you, I've been in jury duty all week. So I had my whole schedule interrupted. But we got it finished up at two this afternoon. (laughs) So uh, I could not get out of it. I've gotten out of it twice, uh, but this time, no. And thankfully, Judge Todd said, once you've served, I take you off the list. So I won't be called again this time. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody know what the rotation is on that? I don't know. It's like every five years or something. I don't know. Anyway, uh, hopefully we're, the Lord returns before that happens again. So, <laughs> but it was good. I learned a lot. I, I actually think, you know, because I was praying about it and uh, there were 13 people picked because there's always an alternate. And uh, just so you know, I'm free to talk about the case because it's over. Um, But anyway, uh, uh, 11 women and me. One guy. As the judge said, the thorn among the roses. That's what he called me. Well, he did thank me. He said, I know you're busy because of Lent. (laughs) All right. <laughs> I didn't correct him. <laughs> so anyway. It was exciting. But I <laughs> I yeah, I know, I didn't have any ash on my forehead, nope. Um <clears throat> which, you know, whatever. But um <laughs> but I uh I did learn a lot. And I and I really do feel like the Lord had me there. You know, I mean there were thirty people to pick from. And and they picked me, and I'm like, Lord. But as I was going through the process, I realized this kind of fits with what we're talking about right now, um, about free will, about decisions, about, uh, you know, guidelines, structure, rules, all those things, and how um, when we were deliberating in the uh, jury room, uh, all the jurors, and we're talking, uh, uh, you know, we I was able to talk about the fact that, um, Everything we do, every choice we make has a consequence. And um, and that consequence often is associated with negative things. But consequence isn't good or bad. It's the result. The result of whether it's good or bad is based on what you decided or I decided. And so... Um, uh, you know, I mean, in this case, we were unanimous in our decision, which it was just a civil case. Um, my kids were like, so it wasn't like a murder? I said, no, no, I, they, they thought it was something cool, you know. And also you get the realization that TV is nothing like real life. I mean, you, it's just not, you know, TV can make you think anything they want because they just steer the whole thing, you know, and it's different when... Two sides have the availability to give all the information and give persuasion for both their arguments. It's different. And uh, in life, you know, whether we want to realize it or not, but there is God the Father who is the judge. There is the accuser of the brethren who is Satan. And there is your great advocate, Jesus Christ. And we're in constant court here in the earth. It's constant. There are things going on and, and really our decisions determine the, uh, for lack of a better word, judgment or the result, the consequence of what we get. Um, You know, sometimes people are like, I want God to change this situation. And often what I've found with the Lord is, He will come and go, I'm going to change you. And then your situation will change. But He has to do that, and that is a process. I know uh, with my background being you know, more, I guess, for lack of, I'll just use some words that hopefully give you an idea, but like Word of Faith or Charismatic, Pentecostal, those type of things. I know because we believe in the in the spectacular, the supernatural, those type of things. Oftentimes, people, uh, including myself, have wanted situations to just poof. And in reality, what I've experienced is, I've had some of those, you know, which I'm thankful for, but... But in reality, what I've realized is this, is that a lot of times with the Lord, there's this process that he takes you through because he knows if he just changes the circumstance and you don't change, you'll get yourself into another one of those circumstances. How many can say that I've had that happen? Okay, I've had that happen more than once. Now, I had the... I, had the, um, I didn't think it was a privilege at times when I was there, but I had the privilege of being a youth pastor. <laughs> For six years. And you deal with all sorts of personalities. I mean, these kids are coming out of different situations. There are kids that come out of great homes. There are kids that, um, that we dealt with who called us mom and dad, me and Heidi, because they didn't have good parents or absentee parents or no parents. Um, more than once, I had got a call at 2 or 3 in the morning you know, stating, I'm running down the side of the road, and this is a 13-year-old girl because their dad wigged out on her. Her dad did, her stepdad, and she didn't know what to do, and she was afraid. Um, I had situations where we had the privilege of going on different retreats and different things like that, and whenever you go on retreats and to camps and stuff like that, you'll you can attract people that don't just aren't just consistent, good youth group goers. they just want to go on a trip, and they have their own agenda, and it isn't to obey, which I'm well fitted to deal with, because I was that kid, so I know how to deal with it, you know. I knew how to drop the hammer and keep things under control. Um, but you had some kids, like there was one particular kid I'm thinking of, man. Have you ever been around somebody and it's just constant work to be around them? I mean, you're just... You are carrying everything to keep everything sane. You know what I mean? And this kid was that way, but it was because of the way he was raised. He had no affection at home. And then you come to school or or whatever, personalities develop a certain direction to where if I can't get affection or attention the normal way... I'll do something else and I'm getting attention. It's negative, but I'm getting attention. And I don't blame this kid at all. I mean, you know, you look back and you realize, I mean, obviously, this was a situation where, you know, you can be, um, you can have certain things built into you when you're younger that shape you when you're older. Now, there's hope for that. Because you can be transformed in your thinking and the Holy Spirit can do a work in you and the word of God and the resurrection power of God is is uh, very capable of changing those things in our mind, and in our thinking and the way we live and operate. But but if you don't have that connection with the Lord and you're not yielded to him, you can cause yourself problems. And if you're not a repentant person or a person who is self-aware, have you ever heard that term before? You're not aware of how you're living, operating, doing, then you will live in a place of no repentance because it's always somebody else's fault. Do You know that's one of the most dangerous places you can live. It's always someone else's fault. Now, there can be legitimate things that are someone else's fault. But what I've found through the years is as I've walked with the Lord, He tends to deal with me first. Didn't get a lot of amens on that. <laughs> Got a few half-head nods, you know. And so, and this is just a truth, okay? The truth is, things can be difficult, but if your relationship and your identity is in the Lord first... You can overcome anything. That's just the truth. Because there's nothing that that is on this world and in this world, no matter how uh, 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 awful it is, that Jesus has not overcome. Now, just because he's overcome it does not automatically mean it happens for me. I've got to cooperate with him so uh going back to the case that we were in i mean it was i could have closed the case in one day i mean i i knew now i didn't shut my mind off or anything like that because i had to listen to all the evidence presented and you have to do that um, I mean, it's, it's your duty. It's your civil duty, right? It's, uh, uh, it's part of what I would want. If I was on trial, I'd want somebody there paying attention. I wouldn't want them like, oh, my gosh, why, you know? And it's me that's under. So I wanted to sow a good seed. I'm not believing to go to trial. I'm just saying. I wanted to, you know. So I'm listening and, and listening to this thing, and I'm watching demeanor, and I'm watching the things that are going on. And we say a lot, whether we, don't, whether we say a lot or not, And I watched and I watched and I watched. And and while I'm sitting there inside the Holy Spirit, the Lord is just speaking to me about different things. But I realize mostly what's happening is all these years of ministry and working with people and the different jobs the Lord has had me in through the years, you can almost pinpoint where people are at pretty quick. And I could tell who was nervous on the stand because they were there and it was an unfamiliar place to them. And I could tell who was nervous on the stand because they were lying. Because it's two different nervousnesses. Is that a word? I don't even know if that's a word. (laughs) Just made it up. All right. Preachers make up words. It's true. It just happens. So, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, wow. And the Lord was helping me see it, helping me understand. Even with the lawyers and how they presented things and the evidence and what they emphasized. And, uh, and even in the end of it, then when we're deliberating, of course, I'm the one guy in there, and uh, we're deliberating, and at one point in it, there started to be this uh, motivation of how we feel about the case, which is fine in discussion. But how you feel is not the law. I'll put it to you like this. How we feel is not the truth. And I started to see the correlation between the two. And how uh, one argument was made. And you know, honestly. It doesn't really matter what I feel. If the law is set one way. What difference does it make how I feel? Because in the end of, of, of all of this, as far as the, 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 the end of whether we go to be with the Lord or he returns, whatever the case may be, there's a standard set. And what do we know about the judge? The standard's not moving. The case, you could argue, you know, we won't argue our case in front of him. You know, in front of a human judge, that's one thing. But God doesn't. We stand before the Lord every, almost every single near-death experience. What I mean by that is they died and came back. So they really had a death experience. They just came back. But all of them that have stood before the Lord knew that we're not born again, knew they were going to hell. Before even a statement was made. Why? Because in the presence of purity and light... And all revelation and truth, what else gets revealed in that atmosphere? See, all I want to be revealed is, I plead the blood. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay. So, I just thought, it was great. I mean, it was great and not great, because it totally interrupted my first three days of the week. But, you know... I did, the Lord did teach me, and I'll have more out of it. I know I will going down the road. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. We're talking about free will. And I may tie more of that into this. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, Genesis chapter 1, we're talking about free will. We're actually addressing the issue of the sovereignty of God is what we're talking about. And um, there are many statements that are made about God, that God is sovereign, that God will, um, like I, I've, if I've heard this once, You know, I've heard this illustration many times, and I've also, you know, witnessed people saying it. You know, they'll make, they'll they'll get up, they'll go up to somebody and say, well, God is, and they get religious. You know, they get a religious voice. Have you ever heard the religious voice? I'm going to demonstrate it for you. They go, God is sovereign. (laughs) You know, which I I mean, I, I, I I mean, I've been in church services where somebody gets to preaching and they're, you know, because my background and 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 there's some and and so they they make that statement and then something usually behind it is um like god will do whatever he wants and it doesn't even matter what you, that you're involved it's going to happen one way or the other and that definition of sovereignty i don't agree with and we've looked at many scriptures about this and so I, I'm not going to go back over those. Um, if you want to go listen to the audios or watch the videos, they're on the website. You can watch them and catch up uh, that way. Um, but I, I, I'm presenting the argument here to you from the scripture that I believe that God does have an overarching plan that will come to pass. And, um, and this is part of the reason why I did this uh, image the way I did. You know, obviously we're represented by the person in the middle on on the path. And then free will is there. And then on the bottom I have Satan's will and an arrow coming up. And then at the top, God's will and an arrow coming down. And where are they hitting? They're hitting free will. Why? Because we choose. God has a plan for my life that will not change. That was established before I was ever born. But he also implanted in me the will to choose. And I can choose Satan's plan. Or I can choose God's plan. Now, in the grand scheme of things. When this is all said and done. And eternity is Uh, or uh, uh, time is wrapped up in eternity completely and everything is finished as far as uh, the return of Christ and all of that, will God's ultimate will be done? Yes, it will. Does that mean I participated in it? Not unless I chose to. I cannot choose God's will to the point that I can go to hell and never see God again. Was that God's will for me? No, it wasn't. Was it an option for me to choose? Yes, it was. Now we get we get into these things, and, I, and we and 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 even if you even if you do if you've if you've if you have had a strong conviction on the God's going to do what He's going to do no matter what side. And you have those things come through your mind or come through your uh, thinking. What about this? What about this? What about this? I'm believing God to answer as many as I can, but don't cut me off out there until we get there. At least give me the chance, okay? At least here you're you're not in. You have not been released to the jurors' room for deliberation yet. <laughs> Okay, give me the opportunity to make my point, because I believe from the scriptures that it is obvious to me that um, even with God's omniscience and foreknowledge, that doesn't mean he had he knew he made the choice for us. Just because God knew. When Jesus was going to come. He just because he knew That Judas would betray Jesus doesn't mean he picked it for Judas, because if you if you say that, then you have to go back to the scripture where it says God is not willing that any should perish. Uh, But He's sovereign, so He chose Judas. God's will for Judas was not that he hang himself. That is not God's will for anybody. It's not God's will for anybody that they would kill themselves. God did not write that into the plan of someone's life. Everybody here has been touched by suicide in one way or another, probably, whether it's directly or indirectly. But that wasn't the will of the Lord. I can't blame God for that. I've heard people, you know, make, excuse me, make statements like that. Well, Rick said this last week to me, insurance policies, tornadoes, acts of God. God is blowing through cities, tearing up cities and killing people with tornadoes because he's so angry that he just can't stand it anymore. See, we, we have to look at this because, and I love what uh, Susan actually said this to me, but I've been watching some of them, uh, Bill Johnson on some of these things. But he says this, he says, Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is what? Perfect theology theology. Jesus said this, when you've seen me, is it true? People say, well, what about the Old Testament? The Old Testament was a separate covenant that was established and a separate, uh, um, now it led and pointed to the one we're in, but it's a separate deal. You can't look at the Old Testament and go, those people had a revelation of Jesus. Jesus did not come down in the Old Testament and go, here I am. If Jesus would have shown up in those days, what would have happened? What happened when he showed up in the current dispensation, right? So Jesus is perfect theology. And people sometimes think, think, well, then why did all those things happen in the Old Testament? I argue because of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And you have to go from there... To as a as a, a foundation, a filter, a basis for what took place going forward. If you, if you ignore Genesis 1, 2, and 3, Job doesn't make sense. First and 2 Kings, uh, uh, first and 2nd Chronicles, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. All these Old Testament, they don't make sense. You, you have to start and move from the beginning. How many know the first chapter of the book usually sets the tone for the book? And um, prior to Genesis 2 and 3, I think it's Genesis 2, but it might be Genesis 3. Prior to the devil getting in the earth, everything was hunky-dory. Right? Okay? So let's look at that um, and and, and establish some of this. And this is where we're at. We're talking about God's will, uh, man's will, and Satan's will. And uh, we're looking at that from the Scripture. Genesis chapter 1. If you want definitions on, like the definition that we use for sovereignty, you can... Uh, Go back and listen to the others. I just don't have time to review them all. Uh, Otherwise, I don't preach where I'm... I never get where I'm supposed to get. (laughs) So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We saw this. I'm going to read through this pretty quickly. Just stop on a few words. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good... God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So evening and morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So then evening, so the evening and morning were the second day. And then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God said, let the waters around uh, abound with an abundance of living creatures. How many know they're still discovering creatures in the water? Isn't that interesting? That's interesting to me. Anyway, and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, "What, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth." So the evening and the morning were the what fifth day, right? Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We talked about this last week. We have authority over creeps. And I want to point this out as well. You are the most important thing God created. Not the earth, not the heavens, not the fish, not the cattle, not the monkeys, not a snail. Not a mosquito, not a turtle, not any of the animals that are in our lives. They are not more important than we are. We are the most important creation that God made. We are the only ones that are made in His likeness and in His image. So uh, this is something I practice with my kids, um, you know, frequently when we have conversation about different things. But I make sure to belittle the animals I do. You say, why? But, but but they're so sweet. They're so you have been. You have to be careful that in your treatment of the animal, like I I'm gonna make a statement here, it's gonna make some of you mad, but you're just gonna have to get over it. Hopefully. Your animals are not your kids. You are not your animal's dad or mom. Now, I'm not against you know people say that and i understand what they're saying but just be careful with it because we get this impression and whether people realize it or not the idea of evolution in these things is permeated through every form of entertainment everyone even you know in our kids we you know we watch cartoons and stuff like that but even talking animals what's the idea to give them a what human characteristic they are not human they are not human, and so now I don't think what what the what the what animal rights activists will do is they'll show you a video of somebody torturing an animal. I don't think that's godly either. Okay, <laughs> killing spiders, torturing spiders might be okay. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that's. I don't think we should mistreat animals. I like animals. Okay, I do. I don't mind animals at all. I I like—I mean, I like nature. I like looking at the animals and stuff like that. I I don't mind, you know, petting a dog or a cat or any of that stuff. It doesn't bother me. It's not like I hate animals, but they are not human, and we must keep that delineated in our mind, because otherwise, you will see more emotion expressed over a dog being killed than a baby, and that is twisted, massively twisted. And why is that? It's not because God's will is being enacted in the minds of men. It's because Satan has got his way in. Now, I don't think the world should have a foothold or even a, even a, a, a close to uh, ability to treat animals as the church or the people of God should. They should not rank higher than us really in anything. Because we're functioning with the anointed one and his anointing. Did God create the animals? Yeah, so God, animals are not the spawn of Satan, okay? But I know people that have, that have more affection to their animal than they do humans. That's a problem. That's a problem. You, uh, I'm okay with you loving your animal. I'm okay with you, you know, having affection towards your animal. But it's a problem. You weren't created to have uh, communion with an animal like you do a human, You're not created for that. You were created to have fellowship one with another. And sometimes people think, well, nobody likes me or nobody does this or that. Is that because of what they're doing or is it because a personality change needs to happen in you? Well, I thought this was a church that loved people. You don't realize how much I'm loving you right now. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And you say that's a real issue. These are real issues people deal with. But if you understand God's will in it, and you have fellowship with the Lord, you'll find out that God is more interested in people than you realized. He's really interested in people. Amen. All right, so then God creates man. Uh, verse 27 So God created man in his own image. How did he create God? Or how did he create man in his what? So is it safe to say God looks like you and me? Yeah. Now, we have a version that we're functioning in here that unfortunately has death working in it, okay? So you don't even know how good you're going to look once the death's gone. <laughs> you know, I mean, no more cracks, you know? I was watching a minister one time, or Jesse Duplantis is who it was. I was watching him one time, and he was he was going on and on and on about some partners he had, and... Uh, some place he was preaching in California, and they were plastic surgeons. And so they said to him, they said, looks like you might need a little work. You know, they said this to him. And they offered to it, him to him for free, you know, as a as a whatever. I guess they were trying to bless him. Anyway, you've, if you've seen him, you'll notice he didn't have a facelift. But anyway, he goes, no way, I earned these cracks. <laughs> and that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> I don't have a scripture for that. I just think it's right. So, um, you know, like, do you ever, I remember as a kid, but do you remember Ronald Reagan when he was in office and (laughs) he'd go to the helicopter, his chin? (laughs) It's like, I earned that, man. You know how long it took me to get the skin to sag like this? You know what I mean? I earned this thing. It's mine. I mean, it was good not to be insecure. Okay, so. I earned my gray hairs. You know, my kids will come out. Oh, looks like you got some gray hairs, dad. I say, you'll get your chance. This is where we had you. (laughs) No. All right. So God created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created him what? Male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. What did he do to them? And God said to them, be... Fruitful and... What is that? That's God's will. That's God's will. He said, fill the earth and subdue it. There's two commands there. Now, a lot of times you'll hear fill the earth, but you don't hear the subdue part. We're called to subdue. Now, people say, yeah, but that was Adam. Yeah, but Jesus was the second Adam. Okay? Okay. And that looks a lot like we talked about this in the last series we did, but about our authority where Jesus in Luke 10 talks about subduing the enemy. So fill the earth and subdue it. Now, why say that? God is God talking to just dummies? You've got to remember, and this is a little tough for us because of where, where we live right now. You've got to remember there's no sin in the earth. You could go up to Adam and Eve and go, I, what's that per- I can't remember that person's name. And they would look at you and go, can't remember. They don't have any concept of that. You know, people, you could you could walk up to Adam and Eve and go, ooh, it's been a day, man, I got a headache. And they go, what? I'm talking about before sin. They, they'd look at you and go, headache? Ache? What's? I mean, I know what your head is. But what's an ache? They had no concept of the knowledge of death. Now see, that's hard for us to grasp. Because we've been ingrained in our families before us and raised up in death. All around us. All around us. It's all around us. The older you get, the more aware you are that it doesn't go on forever in this body. So... In Adam and Eve's case, they're functioning in the creation before they sinned in a place of not even having an understanding of what death is. They have no clue. They never went out intending to the animals or different things like that. They never went out and found, you know, some of the animals dead on the side of the road. You know, if there was a road. I don't know if there was. I don't have a record of that. (laughs) There's probably a walking path. I mean, I don't even know if they walked. Who knows? They could have just bam. I mean, we don't know because this is a glorified body. There are no limitations to this body. And we know that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he walked through walls. We've talked about that. It's going to be fun. We also know he ate. I'm kind of looking forward to that. I doubt there's keto in heaven. I think it's just like, eat, you know? It's just like, where's the fridge with the mountain dew? It's over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, that was for you, Ron, all together. <laughs> That's a little. Yeah, there's no poison in heaven, yeah. Well, it just will be pure mountain dew. It'll be from the mountains of heaven. Dew from. <laughs> That's totally made up. Okay, there's no scripture for that. <laughs> All right, God's will. What are we talking about? All right, so God tells them to subdue and to multiply. This is God's will. He says, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over what? Everything that moves where? He had dominion over all of it, over every part of it. These are not... Now, God's not just having conversation. Now, God will have conversation, but His words are what? They have intent. And what do His words always carry? They carry His nature. So when He says dominion, He means it. He's not just saying, uh, you know, watch out for some stuff. You know, there could be... They know what He's saying. They're hearing the words. And what else are they doing every day? They're fellowshipping with him in the cool of the day, correct? So it says this in verse 29, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food. Also every beast of the earth, uh, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. Then God saw that everything that he had made, how much? And indeed it was what? It was very good. Have you ever looked at cancer and thought, very good? No. Have you ever known of a situation where there's something debilitating or deforming or destructive in someone's life and thought, whoa. That's very good. See, I contend that God's will is this. That His will, His purpose is very good. And that in the process of His will being played out, there were two other wills involved coming into play and things shifted. The dominion was given to who? It was given to Adam and to Eve, correct? The subduing power and the dominion was given to who? Humanity, correct? It was not given to the birds of the air. He didn't call the cattle in and say, Okay, now, you cattle, you have dominion over the humans. But yet there's a whole lot of humans running around today that think the animals should have dominion over this earth. They think animals are gods. That's not the way it was set up. People will say, well, it's not like that anymore. I know because we made a decision. Because humanity made a decision. And that decision opened the door to a separate will operating. You say, where did that will come from? That will was a a rebellious will that did not want to submit to the original creator. Now people, um, let's let's move into uh let's go to um Genesis three one. So I'm not gonna go through Genesis two. I think you pretty much see this. Oh no, let's do go to Genesis two. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. Go to Genesis two, verse number fifteen. I want to show you something else. That God said, and this is the second account of this. Verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the what? Of Eden. To tend and to... To what? Keep it. Who's in charge? Adam. Is God in charge of the garden at this point? Who's in charge? Okay, you got to keep that in your mind, okay? Okay. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall what? Does he understand what's, what he's supposed to do here? Yeah. For in the day you eat of it, you shall what? You're surely going to die. It's going to happen. Now, in, in all the relationship that God has had with his creation, with his, with his man, mankind, Adam and Eve. Had God ever lied to them? Had he ever misled them? Had he ever deceived them in some way? Never. He never did. So now and, and and prior to the enemy coming in, prior to the enemy working the way he did and what he did, um uh uh man's will is functioning with who? God's will. Okay? And then temptation comes, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent... Now this is the entrance of Satan's will here. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden'?" And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you should not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Is that what God said? Partially. <laughs> okay? Okay. First of all, it wasn't lest you die. It was you shall surely die. Okay? Now, Verse number uh, four, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil, knowing both good and evil. Verse number uh, six. So when the woman, uh, let me go back to this. Let me go back to this. So what do we see here? In this verse, we see Satan interjecting what? His will. At this point, is Satan's will in operation in the earth? No. Why? Adam and Eve have the dominion. This should be a revelation here for where we're at today. Okay. Think about it. You've been seated in heavenly places in You still you have in Christ you have gained back a place of authority over the enemy that Adam lost for us. You see that? All right? So this at this point it's just information. It's not manifestation. Do you know you can stop the enemy in your life at information? <laughs> That's a good word there, Josh Meeks, isn't it? <laughs> I'm thankful for that. You can stop him at information. You can stop him at temptation. You don't have to yield. You don't have to yield. Because you've been given what? What? Dominion. Where does your dominion come from? Is it because you're just so amazing? You just are the the hand-picked one. You're just the one with all the talents the Lord decided to dump into you. No, you have dominion because your advocate, your substitute, your Savior purchased it for you. By paying what? The price to get it back. He paid the penalty of what? Our sin, right? Okay. So, the enemy at this point is just giving information. Now watch, because Paul mentions this, and I think it's so powerful, the revelation that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 10 concerning these things. But what was Paul's concern with the Corinthian church? That their minds would be deceived like whose? Eve's and he references this right that was his concern and Genesis 3 6 says this and here's where man's will comes into play now man had been graced beyond measure in creation with dominion authority blessing prosperity favor peace in all the land total dominion and rulership over the earth and people say, what do you mean? They, they had blessing. They had financial blessing. They had physical blessing. They had the blessing of uh, eating and fellowshipping with God. They had the blessing of being fruitful and multiplying. They not only had fellowship with God, but they had husband and wife fellowship. They were to what? Be fruitful and... Right? The design was what? That all humanity would live inside of the very good. And continue to rule from the place of what? Dominion. Rulership. Authority. Right? And so they had all of these things. And the enemy knew that he couldn't just come in and punch Adam out and take over. He had to get some legal transactions to take place. He had to get Adam to give his... Dominion, his authority, to get Adam to yield his authority to a separate will. One, a will that was not God's will. Genesis 3 6. Here was the power of mankind's will. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, That it was pleasant to the eyes. Why is she looking at this tree this way? Somebody else's will is working in her. And now she sees something that God said was surely death. As what? Something else. Does that not sound like the devil? Oh man, to me it sure does. He says, it says this, so when the woman saw, this is Genesis 3, 6, sorry if if I didn't say that. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. So don't blame this all on the woman because the dude was standing there. All right. He knows what's going on. What should have Adam been doing? Eve, here, come here. Let me take care of the snake. <laughs> Strangle that thing, you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> Verse 7, yeah, shovel, yeah. How many have taken a snake's head off with a shovel many times? Yeah. We had rattlers growing up. And you just, if you get right behind that head, especially if you've got a good spade shovel, pop, it comes right off. It's phenomenal. All right. Then the eyes of both of them were opened... And they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. In other words, a new knowledge came in. A new will has now been introduced. So, is now the state of their lives and the state of the earth uh, infected with something else? This is the gateway where the enemy flooded into the earth. He flooded in. This is it. What do we know takes place right after this? Well, verse 7, both their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves or made themselves coverings. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves why Why hide themselves? Is hiding themselves a byproduct of the will of God in their life? There's a new will working. Uh, can you imagine how terrible that would feel? I mean, it's hard for us because, you know, we're in the mix of all of this already. But it's hard for us to kind of grasp it in our thinking. Because, you know, the tendency for us is if we're embarrassed as to what? Or have done something wrong as to what? Hide yourself. Your natural tendency isn't. It didn't start out as God's here. It started out as I ate him cookies, and he probably knows. I'm gonna go hide. (laughs) You know. That's how. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, there's another will at play. And it. The only reason it has effect is because Adam and Eve gave it a place. Did they have to? Now, I'm not going to even argue with somebody who says to me or tries to talk to me about, um, because there's no point, because they're not even open to repentance, but tries to talk to me about the fact that God shouldn't, God could have stopped all of this at the beginning. My argument to this is always this. For one, first off is this. What you're telling me is is you don't want to be responsible for you. The gospel of no responsibility. It's not my fault. Are you sure? Now you may not be able to stop an enemy from tempting you, but you can stop yourself from yielding and cooperating. Come on, you gotta believe this. Especially if you're born again. Greater is he that is. And 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 I know we're used to this. I know we're used to. We're more used to, well, I'm not perfect. Are we not more used to that? I'm not telling you that your righteousness with the Lord is based on your perfect action. But I am saying we should be stronger in the conviction of greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So that our focus can shift. Amen? So uh, they sewed fig leaves together. They hide from the Lord, from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What is working already? Fear. What was let, let in? The knowledge of good and evil. What's the knowledge of evil? Fear. Fear. Fear's working now, right? It's already started working. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? (laughs) That's a good question, right? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Did he know? Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Did he know? Does that mean he chose? No. We talked about this before, but foreknowledge or afterknowledge doesn't mean that you that it was decided ahead of time. It's no more. It's no more uh, uh, contingent as far as disrupting the idea of free will. Free will is free will. Just because God's omniscient doesn't mean He chose. Amen? (laughs) All right. I love this stuff. I like the fact that you're thinking too. I can see it. I can see the disruptions at times. Which is good. We need that. We need it. Praise God. I need it. Verse 12. Then the man said, The woman who you gave me. (laughs) And what begins immediately? It ain't my fault. Immediately. Right? Oh, this is not my fault. Verse 12, the woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And my next question would be, Adam, how far were you from the tree? <laughs> What's the right response here? Lord, I disobeyed. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Is God redemptive through this process? Were there still consequences? Still were. Verse 13, And the Lord God said to the woman, He doesn't, the Lord's different than me. He didn't even go there. What what is this that you have done? The woman said, It's not my fault. (laughs) The serpent deceived me and I ate. Verse 14, the Lord said, the Lord God said to the serpent, boy, he just went right down the line, didn't he? Because you have done this, he didn't even give the serpent a chance to explain. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than all beasts of the field. On your belly, you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. How how many how many women would admit that there's enmity between you and snakes? and between your seed and her seed. I know this is prophetic. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. How many know it's better that your heel be bruised and your enemy's head be bruised than the other way around? Praise God. This is why abortion is still such a big deal. Satan's still killing babies for a reason. There's enmity there, amen? To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, and for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his uh, name's wife Eve, and she was the mother of all living. Also Adam and his wife, uh, the Lord God, made tunics of skin and clothed them. We know that's covenant, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, so do you see this, that even though Adam and Eve cooperated with the enemy's will, now they're cooperating with who? God, and is God's will still moving forward there's just now a hiccup in the plan there's the enemy working right there's the enemy working okay alright uh, go to uh, we'll wrap up right here with Cain and Abel because I want to look at this Cain and Abel I think that's chapter 4 isn't it no. chapter 4 so they have two kids, Adam and Eve have kids, Cain and Abel. It says, now Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, uh, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? The Lord's talking to Cain about this. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, what lies at the door? And its desire is for, but you should. Could he have ruled over it? He could have. He could have, right? He could have ruled over it. What do we see in this? We see straight off man's will, God's will, Satan's will. There are three wills in, in in consideration here, right? Three things that that are that are moving in a particular direction to to cause an ending of something to cause a result to cause a what consequence to to we say it uh, a seed time and then right He said, if you do well, you will be accepted in other words. You don't have to remain offended at your brother. You can repent and I'll accept your offering. Right? That's what he's telling him. Is there a path back to the Lord in pleasing him? If you give an offering to the Lord and he tells you, I'm not pleased with that, what do you need to do? Get mad at other people who did it right? (laughs) You know what I mean? But see, sin thinking is now in the earth with righteousness thinking. And we are where? In the middle, making decisions. God is not in heaven going, yeah, I planned that Cain would kill Abel. People say, well, he knew about it. What's that got to do with anything? Why does knowing mean deciding? Have you ever looked at somebody and and said, in fact, this was said in the court case that I was in. Oh, I got to wrap it up. We're five over. For those of you on Facebook, thank you for your patience. (laughs) Before this gentleman in this court case did something that he wasn't supposed to, his countenance had fallen. The people around him knew he was mad. And when he got up, there was a lady sitting right next to him that said, this is not going to be good. Did she predetermine that he was going to do something? But she knew it was going to happen. That didn't mean she decided for the person, right? They went and did it. And was there a consequence? Fired. Just like that. What happened here? Did God see the, the uh, will of Cain yielding to someone he shouldn't have? Yes. And what did God do? He warned him, stop, Cain. You can dominate this. You don't have to yield to it. But what did Cain go and do? He killed his brother Abel, right? And there was consequence, correct? But even in the midst of consequence, isn't it interesting that God marked Cain? Cain. In such a way that people wouldn't come and kill him. God is ever moving with his will. Doing. I'm going to argue this again and again here. But my argument is this. That God's primary motivation is redemption. A hundred percent of the time. But he will give place to my free will. And let me choose. Now I'm going to say this, even in regards to the most horrendous things that you and I know that people have done. His primary motivation, always, 100% of the time, is redemption and he would prefer mercy. In other words, his ultimate goal for every one of his creations, every human, is that they would be with him forever. But he does not want robots. And I had a guy tell me one time, "Well, if God loved us so much, he would have never let the devil do that. And I said, and this is the Holy Spirit, because I, I, I'm not this smart, just on my own. He said, and I said to him, I said, sir, let me ask you a question. I said his name, but I'm not going to say it. I said, do you want your wife to love you because she has to or because she wants to? Well, God's no different than you. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, we're married. I love her. Why? Well, I, I, I'm in a contract. <laughs> uh, as Dale would tell me, Sean, that's not wisdom. If you're going <laughs> to live like that, that's not wisdom. Why do I love Heidi? I want to. And you know what? If she said to me, this isn't gonna happen, but this is hypothetical. If she said to me, I love you, but just because I have to, out of my love for her, I would let her go. (laughs) People just totally tripped on that. I could feel it because you think, what? Because what does true love do? True love is not a controller. It doesn't manipulate. True love gives at its own expense. Come on. Jesus loves you enough to die for you, but does he make you serve him? No, case in point. Don't worry, me and Heidi are not on the rocks, okay? We're fine. We're good. I mean, we've still got growing to do, but we are way better than we were 20 years ago. That's true. My mother-in-law said so. (laughs) And it's true. I mean, it's just the truth. But how many can testify? The longer you're married, man. I mean, the iron sharpens iron, you know? And, uh, And when two people love God more than anything, ooh, here we go. It's good stuff, right? Amen? Praise God. Father, we thank you for tonight. and We thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you're showing us. You're opening our eyes. You're helping us. Father, continue to speak to us by your spirit on these things. Lord, show us. Open our eyes from your scriptures. Reveal to us your truth. Lord, we're looking for truth from your word. We establish our truth, our doctrine from you. Not from our experiences in this life. But from your word. The firm foundation. That cannot be shaken by the storms of this life. So we thank you for that. We thank you for these truths. We thank you for the renewal of the mind. Lord we will be doers and not hearers of your word. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. And we'll see you Sunday. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church. Including service times and location. Visit faithfamilybillings.com